Hello, everybody. We are brought to you today by Routine. When you sleep, you lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mainly from expelling vapors and sweating. What do you do first thing in the morning? Well, most people wake up, don't drink water, and they go straight for the caffeine. They drink coffee. And by doing so, you actually dehydrate yourself even more. So Morning Routine is a product that contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. They come in these little single-serve packets, and they are part of every single morning for me. When I wake up, the first thing I do is grab my shaker bottle, pour one of these little single-serve packets in, shake it up, and drink it. Uh, genuinely, the days I use Morning Routine versus the days I don't, the days I do, I truthfully, truthfully, truthfully feel hydrated. Uh, I feel like my brain is just working in a way that it doesn't on days that I don't start my day off with one of these. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. If you go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first order. Again, this is just a daily morning supplement that I take. Um, and a little hack for everyone listening too, I take these first thing in the morning. Sometimes when I feel just dehydrated or maybe if you decide to have an alcoholic beverage, they're also great in my opinion after having a, if you have a drink, um, having one of these afterwards before you go to bed to rehydrate, just any part of your day, um, you can plug one of these in uh, just to rehydrate yourself and get going. And like I said, go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout for 30% off your first order. Today, we're also brought to you by NeuroRoast. Today's episode is brought to you by NeuroRoast, a company that's dedicated to helping you optimize your brain function and overall well-being. NeuroRoast's flagship product is their premium mushroom coffee, which is made with an organic single-origin coffee and their signature blend of five different functional mushrooms, including cordyceps, lion's mane, reishi, turkey tail, and chaga. Mushroom coffee is a new and exciting way to supercharge your day. Unlike regular coffee, which can cause jitters and crashes, mushroom coffee provides a more balanced and sustained energy boost, allowing you to stay focused and productive throughout the day. And with NeuroRoast ground and instant coffee options, you can enjoy the benefits of mushroom coffee wherever and whenever you need it. And here's some great news for my listeners today. NeuroRoast is offering an exclusive just discount just for you. If you use the code ShaneWhite during checkout at NeuroRoast.com, dot com that's n-e-u-r-o-a-s-t dot com you'll get 30 percent off your order uh, whether you choose ground or instant coffee both will work so again that's shane white at at checkout for 30 percent off your purchase so if you're looking for a natural and delicious way to boost your focus memory and overall cognitive function give neurorose mushroom coffee a try with their commitment to quality and sustainability, you can trust that you're getting the best possible coffee for your brain and your body. Uh, and one last time, use that code Shane White at checkout to get 30%. Um, that is the prompt they gave me. Love the guys at NeuroRoast. Genuinely, folks, uh, from me to you, th their coffee is delicious. It does honestly have a different sort of caffeination way of it. The best way to describe it is it, it doesn't give you the jitters or the crash. Um, I love their stuff. It's the I get the flavored mushroom coffee, ground coffee. Um, to be honest, it's one of my favorite afternoon coffee products. 
Uh, if I'm going to have a cup of coffee for some reason in the afternoon, whether it's a long, busy day, whatever it may be, um, I love taking their stuff because it really doesn't give you this like jittery, super elevated, caffeinated feeling, but you feel like you have energy and you don't have the crash later. So genuinely do love NeuroRoast. Again, their website is N-E-U-R-O-A-S-T dot com and the code is ShameLight. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening today. The episode is up after this. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Shane White Show. I'm pumped today to have Drew Whited on the podcast. Drew, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We just found out before we hit record that we're both Chicago guys. So next time we'll have to do this in person, but that's pretty cool. I always love bumping into Chicago people and I don't realize it. So power of the internet yeah. these days. Yeah, exactly. So for everyone listening who doesn't know who you are right off the bat, would you mind giving everyone just a quick background of you and then obviously your brand wagon water? Sure. Yeah. Nice to meet. Well, not nice to meet you guys, but uh, thanks for having me on here and good to, good to talk to you. Um, so yeah, my name is Drew Whited. I'm a 39 year old entrepreneur from Chicago. I've been uh, an entrepreneur for about 14 years now, and 10 of those have been in the beverage space. Uh, the majority of those have been in human beverage space. And then this past three years, I'm kind of pioneering, uh, humanizing a beverage brand for dogs, basically, because I had a dog mm. and he's been the inspiration to get out of the packaging. And so, yeah, we went through quite a little, uh, fun journey in our first, you know, two and a half, three years in the business. And, uh, but you know, pretty excited about what the future holds and, and the dog water game. That's so cool. And I, what I know when I first saw this, Drew, it was definitely on LinkedIn. So even before I messaged you, I, I saw, you know, the power of LinkedIn, it just like things pop up organically. And I remember, remember seeing it and it's funny. So in my business, long story short, we, we, uh, we help brands on, on Amazon and other e-commerce platforms now. And one of the areas where me and my business partner have been talking is we both just had babies. I had one and my wife had one in January and then he had one and his wife had one in the fall. And so we're like, you know, the baby category is really interesting and just really outside of what we know. It's obviously with our background in CPG, I like food. Um, right. But the other one I've been so bullish on is dog and like just pet products in general. Right. And I, just feeling like there's not been en enough innovation or really anything in that space besides like, cleaner food, for example, right. right? Like products that are coming out like Blue Buffalo. Um, but to back everybody up, we'd love to understand. Yeah, I obviously didn't know the dog in the front. And by the way, thank you for for giving me some. I'm holding it up here if you're watching. Um, sure. How did you come up with the idea? We'd love to just hear the the zero to one of where the concept came from. Uh, for sure. Um, and and um, yeah, I noticed the same thing that you did like kind of about two and a half years ago when I was getting into it. I, I came from the CPG and the beverage space that I've you know been innovating the last previous 10 years. And in that space, man, there's so much innovation. It, it's like, it's crazy. You go to a new Expo West or one of those different trade shows, and there's just so many different new types of beverages. You can't even keep up with it. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, and, and not just beverages, just products in general and just innovations. And then, um, yeah, can't coming over to the pet food industry and just the pet industry in general, there is a lot of cool stuff and there is innovation, but it all mostly happens with just uh, within the already established product categories that there are. So like food, treats, chews, uh, toys, you know, it's just different versions of those. So with wagon water, I feel like we're, you know, we're truly pioneering a, a whole new category and delivery system for dogs. Um, and it didn't quite start that way. Just like most businesses, you kind of, you, you know, most businesses launch their original idea and, and you get market feedback in a mass way, and then you make a few adjustments and then your next product's usually a lot better version than your very first one. 
Sure. And that's basically in, in, in whether you're an accounting firm or it doesn't matter what product or service you do. It's just when you first start and you don't have the, the market that has that product or service yet, you really don't know what you don't know about it. And so everyone kind of goes through that stage of growth and figuring out what people and a lot of times if you launch your first product and you're doing a good enough time before that, you know, maybe you do kind of almost get it right. But then usually after that mass market gets your product, they're going to, you know, give you enough quality feedback. And if you're, you know, humble enough to listen, you can, you can come out with something great as that second version. So that's basically what happened to us. And I started the idea because I have my small dog, Mickey. Um, he's a, he's a seven pound chihuahua and, um, I've been an entrepreneur for 12, 13 years. So I don't have a wife or kids. I've been kind of married to this game. So it's really just me and him. And, you know, because I'm always on the go, I'm always traveling with him. And my original idea that to, to get into this wagon water, brand was I started basically just a bowl of water for dogs with a lid on it that you could peel open mm. and just give a dog filtered water on the go. Um, I did that because I'd always be on the go with him traveling and I'd be, you know, maybe I'd forget his bowl or something to pour it in and I'd be like, oh, so it was like waters. A, it was sorry. It was like a bowl that you could bring with you that was already pre-filled. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right so, so basically if you look at a sour cream container or salsa or dips or hummuses, um, oh, you basically yeah. just have this little foil top that you peel open right here where you can give a dog water on the go. Cool. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, it was a pretty novel idea. And, and, you know, it's funny. I'll talk about it. Man, people, I was either a genius or an idiot for this kind of, kind of, cause it was single use plastic. Basically that was the only negative about it. But then if, you know, if you're on the go, if you're on a dog beach or somewhere and you saw a wagon, you're like, Oh my God, like, this is perfect. Like I forgot my water. Now I just got to give it to him. So it was a, it was a novel, you know, I've been an innovator and, and been, been in the beverage space. So when I came up with that idea to me in my head, I was like, okay, putting water in a bowl and seal that can't be that hard. You know, I'm thinking mm -hmm, like, sure. you know, like, so I started just messing around during the pandemic and get this little machine that could seal up different bowls and, and this, and most people again are putting salsas and dips and other things. But if I'm just putting water in there, I'm like, this can't be that hard. So anyways, had the concept, had the idea, started taking it to my local dog parks. Obviously, since I was just putting water in a bowl, like every single pet that I'd open it up to would use it. So, mm -hmm. you know, your usage rate for this, it's not like a tree or a treat or something like it's water. So like everyone's using it. So it felt like I had something there and I was like, okay, I'm willing to, to run with this for a minute and see where it goes. At the time I was in my other coastal, uh, it's called coastal wine spritzers is a wine spritz brand that, that I had worked my way up to in my, in my career as an entrepreneur. And it was a great platform that we were on. My partner and I had been partners now for you know many years. And that was kind of like our culmination of our career was starting that product. So when I had this little idea, I was like, okay, I'll just do this on the side as a little hustle. Mm -hmm. I personally always want to do my own thing and have my own company. And my other previous three were always with a partner. And I was kind of like the second one, you know, probably in line with his experience. So after growing for 10 years in my heart, my soul, I just wanted my own thing. And this, this felt like my calling, this little idea I can't kind of came up with in, in, in my apartment. So once I had the prototype, I literally, because I've sold to, to, to many retailers before, I started just looking up a few of the buyers online and saying, okay, let me see what some of them think about it. You know, cool. See if it, how much oh, yeah, that's it scrappy. So did you have a product at that point or just the concept? It basically just had what you see here, but like not like fully labeled looking as good as it does, but the actual prototype of like a sealed bowl of water, I had it, you know, I had like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs wait to get that first version of their product after they work months. This didn't take that long. I kind of saw right away. Okay. Putting water in this and sealing it like this is my product. So I had a very version a of it, but, um, it was enough to, 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 for me to like, you know, make a deck and just get some info on it. And, and that's when the sales guy and me kind of came out. I was like, okay, let me just make this look good, put a deck together and see if I can get a couple of buyers to take a look at it, you know? Okay. And, yeah. 
And when I did that, it wasn't even a month before I had that prototype in my in my place, right during the pandemic with no experience in the pet industry. I had no sales, not one customer had had it. And this was a brand new category. The target buyer, I was like, you know, I was telling him about it. He's like, all right, man, like, I'm going to do this. I was like, okay. And you know, I'm on the call with him trying not to like just So wait, Target it. was your first retailer? Or my first retailer. He goes, I'm going to put this nationwide in 1,200 stores. And then I, he goes, I want to put it on end caps. He's like, and I want three Whoa. SKUs. And I was Damn. like, man. He's like, can you, you know, he's like, can you handle that? And and I remember that day, be like, <laughs> totally sales again. My sales guy, like writing a check, you can't take. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. let's do it. Like, yep, I got you, man, like, for sure. And on the and back, me, I'm like, oh my god, like I got like two months to do this. He didn't know, like I really just truly like was in my apartment, like barely making this thing. So I had a tough predicament there. That for right there, that moment of getting this like really like you know, first like big store to bring you in nationwide before no one's had it was like, okay, that was enough for me to like want to start the company and, and officially get into it. Um, so that's what started it right there. And um, from there on was it's been quite a whirlwind to get to where I'm at now with these new ones here. Uh, but I always tell people, you know, you buy the ticket, you got to take the ride. And so that's where <laughs> I went with them. I was basically learning alongside Target about my own product nationwide. I was learning alongside customers about my own product, which is a very defenseless place to be. Um, so it was a, you know, a tough, it's like being a, a, a freshman and you come into your school and you don't expect to play. And all of a sudden your senior gets injured and like get in the game right now. And you haven't taken yeah. any reps. You don't know what you don't know. So you get in the game and you're, you're throwing picks and you're, you know, but you don't know what you don't know. So you're learning right there while you're in the heat of the fire about, about your own self. Right. You know, and, so it was a blessing and a curse. It was a blessing because it escalated the timing of how quickly I was able to learn about what people thought about it, you know. Um, but the curse was because I was already in the store for that whole year. I, I could do nothing about making adjustments until the year was over, basically. Okay. Um, I, I have so many questions because this is the yeah. cool start to a podcast I feel like I've had. So you, yeah, for sure. you, you get your first retail unlocked with Target, which for anyone listening, I think most people that listen to this have some sort of, you know, knowledge now of cpg if you've listened to enough episodes here um that's incredible first of all drew congratulations i mean that that's something that most brands wait a long time to unlock i almost think it's so interesting because i really haven't heard very many stories of this happening do you think there was actually a big benefit to starting with someone like target because what what i see time and time again is you launch in specialty retail or you launch online you launch in basically places that are maybe a little bit easier to get into to start that are smaller right. volume. But then right. as you get into the targets and the Walmarts and the Costco's, you start to really see your price point fall to the floor, right? You create a new floor right. for you right. starting at target. I mean, you kind of got to, I don't know if you, how much work went into this, but um, my background's in finance. So the first thing that comes to mind is you got to set hopefully a pretty solid floor to have a healthy margin for you and a healthy margin for target. And then everyone else that comes in that wants wagon water after this, like, Hopefully, like the next, you know, the Walmarts, the Costco's won't be that much more of a floor lowering mechanism from a retailer perspective. Mm -hmm. Did you see that kind of happen? Because again, um, usually Target well, will bring your price point down. You know, normally you would see that in most categories and most products. The unique thing about me is I was starting a whole entire new category. So there was no one looking for my product at the time. There was no, no one even knew packaged water for dogs existed. So I had not yeah. one person looking for my actual product. So because of that, but, but so the pricing and some of those things and, and not having any competitors were bright sides because I could, you know, have healthy margins and not worry about some of the pricing things with Target. But the downside and the toughest part, well, there's two, a couple of toughest parts. One of them was, A, I didn't have a market for it. So mm -hmm. 
there was no education behind it. So that first year of a new thing of anything, whether it's anything, it, it's such a educational and kind of discovery stage for consumers to figure out what the hell it even is, is that, that they're trying to figure out how to use it and where to use it. You know? Right. And so, but to, to, to answer your question really entirely is that like anytime you, it's anytime you start a product or a brand and especially something brand new, if I'm just another dog food, there's a little bit less risk because I've, I've kind of can study the market and figure out some of the, the things I would need to know. Um, but if you're starting something brand new that, you know, you, you really ideally want to iron out your kinks, quote unquote, in your local retailers, meaning whether it's the taste, the price, the package, any sort of thing that could be wrong with that initial formula, something that might not be good about your packaging or how it's mentioned, a few points that you forgot to mention, any of those small things, you always work those out in version A, 1A of your product. And those, those only happen from kind of putting it in retailers. Now, you know, doing that on a start, stage like Target, you only magnify your mistakes, really. So it's really, a, you know, you want to work those out prehand because what I dealt with was, again, I said it earlier, I was either a genius or an idiot. The genius part was, okay, if I put it in, I had it in Camping World Nationwide, like right away I started getting in other places just because I was like, all right, man, if I'm in this, let's do it. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, I got to find places where this would work at, right? Find product market fit. So I immediately went to Camping World because this is like an on-the-go thing. And I have here in Chicago, actually, the Montrose Dog Beach. I have a vending machine there that has these things in there. And they sell I was going to really, ask. That's genius. Yeah. Yeah. They sell really, really well there. But here's the problem. Like if you go on TikTok and, and, and go to Google and, and look up Wagon Water, when the market got a hold of it, I thought I was going to get canceled from Target. I swear, like being six months into it, we had a couple of things that went viral. Not not self-created, not our own TikToks. These are TikToks people are making about the single-use plastic aspect of it. And they're blowing oh. up, getting millions of hits. And I'm like thinking, oh my oh, God. Oh, like people like anti because you're, you got it. Which is right, funny right. because how many people are still drinking plastic water bottles? I mean, come on. Well, yeah, exactly. We, you know, what we did as a brand is we tried to do everything in the world to offset. Once we quickly, you know, I knew that that was the biggest thing coming into it. And that, that made mm -hmm. me nervous when I was starting it. I actually tried to do a biodegradable little bowl. Um, but once, you know, once he brought it in, I had to make quick decisions and jump into it. And because it was a single use plastic, my, you know, my, the pet industry is going very forward on sustainability and, and me introducing that was a very backward step in the, in the eyes of many. Okay. And I, and I equally it. support it. That's kind of why I ended up in these. Um, yeah. So there was, uh, you know, a blessing to being in there because you, you quickly start. And again, you establish yourself as a category leader is the biggest thing. Like once you put me in the target nationwide, like I kind of become the dog water company instantly right away. And then it's yeah. on me and any true entrepreneur to kind of, you know, navigate those waves that you're going to experience by taking that, taking that. Because you have to know that like if you haven't got any feedback and you're going to take that deal, everything's going to be magnified and you've got to be ready to, to like work with those currents because they're, you know, if you're not, it can destroy your company, you know, to not, to be a little too early to be in there, you know? Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, that's tough as, as an entrepreneur and you're getting distribution like target right away. Uh, and then to hit something like, like a snag, I don't want to call it a snag, but kind of, right. It's like a lot oh, of pushback sure. um, right. and like not the positive kind. Do you feel like, and this is, I'm just curious cause you've been through it. Do, do you feel like some of that noise I'm sure, because I mean, again, like we talked about before we hit record, when I was at our X bar, I'm sure there would have been plenty of little things that came up, but it was before that I ever actually remember TikTok becoming even a platform when I was in that office. And right. I remember being like, I think it's gonna be a big idea. And a lot of people thought I was, I was like, no way this TikTok thing is going to take off. So it's funny right. now, fast forward a few years um, to hear that story from you. I think that a lot of brands face that. Do you think though, there's a lot of noise? Like, do you think from a, you being the brand, 
do you think it's always important to respond and, and to pivot? Because I guess maybe there's some truth uh, yeah, to it, which you felt, I, I right? I would say, yeah, I will say one one thing that I truly believe in is like, it, it's just hard to fight the current. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's easier to go with it in anything in life. And so when there's mass amounts of people saying something, like it's probably true, like in, in a sense. Now, when you're though, when you're, we get, you know, and it's different when you get real big and you're these RX bars of the world that then you're just like a LeBron James, meaning then you're going to have haters and lovers no matter what, because you're that big. I mean, you're controversial. You're that big. You're the biggest out there. People aren't going to all love you. That's never happened. And, and so regardless, I keep that in mind, no matter who you are, because to me, LeBron, it couldn't be a more perfect example. Now, obviously I'm a Jordan. I have a Jordan tattoo, I'm more of a Jordan guy, but I love it. Love um, it. Chicago, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but just in general, you know, like you know, for a brand and an owner, you know, you want to have an ear to this to, to these things out there because you want to have a pulse on on your company and what people think. And and if it outweighs the positive, you got to look, you know, honestly in the mirror and be like, okay, you know, maybe this isn't the thing. And especially for me, like, you know, that first year, everyone was my test market. Now they didn't know they were my test market, but like they didn't, you know, they truly were my test market. So I was even more nimble in that first stage because I knew that like no one had had this yet. And I had to be listening and have my ear to what people thought because in my previous brands, that's what brought that second good version out of the brand was that listening, being on, like for me, you know, I'm just a hustler and I'm very like keen to what's, you know, to listening to everything. So I go to every trade show I can to, I, I go and talk to these retailers. I literally scroll through the TikToks like, now, is it always good? So, no, but when you're very early and you have to learn what your next move is, you have mm -hmm. to, that's the best you can do is pay attention to those things right then. And if you do it well enough, I tell people like, I didn't build my product. My customers built my product. I was just a vehicle to, to get it there. And because ah. I listened, I listened humbly enough to the market and had my ear to it and was an artist enough to take that and to turn it into what it should have been, you know, and that's often a big challenge, but, but definitely early on, it's critical in my opinion to, to like really listen to what customers are saying. If, if you're looking for that now, if you're established, yeah, well, you know what you got. It's humility, right? I mean, I right. think as an, as an entrepreneur, you probably, I would think the vast majority of entrepreneurs, again, just generalizing here when they think they have a good idea, it's kind of like a bulldozer. Like this is my idea and like truth be damned, I'm going to get this to market and, and hope it scales. Right. But that's pretty cool to hear. Like you had the humility to look at what people were saying and being like, okay, I hear you. Like, let's make a pivot right. and let's make it better. Um, I'd love to back up to Drew because I, I think the product is so cool and I'm holding it here. If you're watching what you said that, that your dog was kind of the impetus for the idea, but what, what made you, for example, like come up with the different types of products? Like what, what was, what was the need, I guess, or the problem you sure. were really trying to solve? Well, to go into the point right there, you know, what we were just tailing off of from right there. So once I, once I got this deal with Target, you know, I was going to be in those stores for a whole year. And for me, I was just trying to find that quote unquote product market fit. Like, where is this thing supposed to be at? Like, where can I? So I put it in camp, Camping World, Amazon, Chewy, all kinds of different places just trying to find that fit. And, and in my eye, and then I'm selling it for like 79 cents. And so to make it and ship it like there was zero there were really at the end of the day i started to figure out like there's not a lot of room on this at all like to make mm -hmm. money i had to sell a lot of these for the project and my investors and myself to like make money yeah. at that point i started to look at it like well with all these negatives going on out here i'm like i don't see the path really to this but i couldn't make that completely vocal because i'm already in the ship like driving i can't be like hey y'all man you know i'm gonna bail like i had to be the leader and be like okay listen like so anyways you know but, but being in the dog water game, quote unquote, I kind of was like, you know, I always, I always look for like that next like sign of like, what, what's to come from this kind of where can I take this? And basically I was doing it. Um, once I figured out in my heart, that this, this wasn't the path. I was like, okay, I got to find, and I had some friends here in Chicago actually that were doing a CBD water for humans and it cool. was flavorless. They were selling at Mariano's and some stores. 
And I was like, you know what? The CBD category is pretty big for pets. Like, let me see if I can introduce this water version. So I basically got some of that off them. And, and actually just my first version, I was putting it in these bowls that I had. But the day I released that, it, it immediately opened my, it was like my aha moment for sure. Um, I, I was lucky that it was flavorless because dogs, if they detect anything in their water, they don't want to drink it. So like the CBD water being flavorless, I was able to deliver dogs benefits through water without them even knowing it. Um, and that to me was like, okay, I got something here. Because basically right now, the way, and I'm just speaking that category specifically, like CBD, the only way you can give your dog CBD currently before I came along was through a treat, a chew, or a tincture. Uh, when dogs are stressed out, though, they naturally don't eat as much as they would drink water. And so for me, it became a natural delivery system to delivering these stressful dogs, you know, pain relief through without them knowing it. And I was Got like, it. man, you know, I was like, damn, this is, and, and then my market feedback was now they didn't, you know, it immediately shifted to like, because now I'm providing value. It wasn't just a convenience item. Now I have an actual like, you know, something in there that's helping it. So the, the, the everything took a backseat, the, the sustainability. It wasn't just quote unquote water in a bowl. Now I'm like really delivering an actual need out of something. So it wasn't looked at so bad in that light. So I was like, man, this is, this is definitely it. And that's when I kind of was like, okay, I need to now kind of go down this path more. So how do I make these more flavorless and functional waters? And to me, you know, the CBD, I was like, this is only one, one category. Like this is hmm. calming for pets. What if I can do dental and hip and joint and skin and coat and vitamin and basically go down the categories of health that they already get through treats and chews, but just give them this flavorless water version of it. Um, so once I had that moment of introducing that and seeing the the bright side immediately for my market, I'm like, man, I got to go all in on this pivot, you know, and, and really just yeah. cut the cord. I was like, this is a sinking ship. So, um, yeah, I decided to go all in and, and took 11 months off. I pulled my product from every shelf in America. Basically, I pulled it from Target, pulled it from Camping World, pulled it from everywhere. And, um, and this is the bowl that you just showed us? Yeah, I pulled this from everywhere. Okay. I just completely took it off. Because once I had this, I was like, you know what, now that I find this functional pathway let me just see if I can create a couple SKUs and make a whole new suite out of it now of products and then kind of pivot to all of these instead of this. And once I decided to do that, I'm like, well, if I'm going to make these again, I'm not going to use plastic again because that's what killed me. So now that I have a chance to redo it, like, let me just think about doing maybe in a, in a Tetra pack or something. Essentially what I was doing, I went from one product, which this was for convenience on the go for dogs. And it was just regular water. Now I'm messing with like supplements infused into waters so it's a completely different consumer. Now I'm like your hip and joint needs, your calming needs, your dental needs. It's not a convenient customer. So I was essentially starting a brand new company under the same umbrella, you know, kind Got of. Got it. Okay. Yeah, no, it's really, really smart. I mean, Drew, the, what I think is cool is like, and this is gonna be funny. This is just an anecdotal experience. I told you before we started recording, I have a chocolate lab. He's super high strung. When I first saw this on LinkedIn, that was immediately like, because we just cannot find something that... The poor guy, whenever someone comes over, even if he knows them, he's just so high strung the whole time we have guests over that it's almost like stressful for us. So we've all, we've been looking for something. He also unfortunately has this crazy like vitamin B issue, which means he can't have a lot of treats or anything with fat in it. So he's on like right. a weird diet. So something with water is perfect because right. he just can't have a lot. Of, like even the CBD treats out there we've tried, like the, I know the Martha Stewart ones work for a little bit, but then he can't have that high of fat in the treats. So this right. is really cool for us because he just can't have a lot of the normal things that I think a lot of dogs would want. Well, yeah. and, and the number one thing that goes in a dog's mouth per day is water. And so, you know, it's, 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 they, more than they eat, choose treats and, and food combined. Water is the number one thing every day. So if I can deliver you needs to that pathway, I have more opportunities to be in your system from a suite of products than a lot of other companies that have been around forever for the food and treat companies. So 
and the good thing that, that I stumbled upon and what I, I mentioned a few times, it, it's my superpower as, 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 as a, um, what I found about the product is like the, this flavorless thing. I lucked out because dogs drink water out of creeks. They drink out of lakes. They'll drink out of, you know, if their bowl's been on the ground for three days with dust in it, they'll drink out of it. Like they, right. they'll drink tap water of any kind. They don't be like, Hey man, this tap water isn't good. So that, <laughs> that, that's a really lucky point because what I did is when I was creating this product, anyone else that's, there's been a lot of people in this pet industry that have tried to like Nestle Purina, a lot of big name companies that have tried to create like vitamin waters for dogs. And all oh, of them, that was have, one of my yeah. questions. I really haven't, I haven't done my research, but I didn't know if that was a there's thing. There's a couple out there right now. And almost all of them that have launched as a quote unquote vitamin water for dogs have all either shut their doors or pivoted to being a food topper because mm. you can't force dogs to drink something instinctually that they'll never in their mind have a choice to want to do. You right. know, as a human, we have that distinction, that choice, and we have that, that, the development, our brain to be able to, to, to do that. Dogs don't, they just, when they're now they'll, if you put anything on their food, they'll eat it over there. But when they're done with that bowl and they're ready to, to have their drink, they, they want water just as us as cavemen back in our days, right? Water is, yeah. it's most of our body. So, and knowing that they, they will drink water out of a bowl that has a couple of deaths of specs in it, like we won't do that. So that was important because when I was building this, I was like, well, if I can just piggyback off that notion here and try to trick them into remaining flavorless. And I have some wiggle room because, again, they drink from like different sources that isn't really. So I was like, let me just try to infuse these waters with the supplements, the raw supplement. A lot of companies that failed before, they try to put flavor agents in there to make it taste like chicken or taste like beef or taste mm. like something. Where again, like they don't want that in that scenario. They just want the water. You can line up a million bowls on the ground right now of different liquids, but when the dog's done, they don't want those. They just want the water. It's just how we are as you know, human nature, I guess, of, of, of species, you know. So my subtle infusion of like, for example, the one you have, that calming one, it has melatonin in there and it has L-theanine, L-tryptopatin. Those are three very, very common ingredients that are found in dog treats and chews for calming. Ah. I was able to buy those. And when I, when I make my product, I go and test, I, I buy them and I put them in, in a, put them in a liter of water. And now if I taste it, if you open that right now and taste it, you can kind of, you would be like, Drew, I can kind of taste something. It just mm -hmm. tastes like someone else's tap water kind of like, oh, okay. it tastes like a little, a little different, you know. But to the dog, because like I said, they, they drink flavorless for the most part of anything, I was able to sneak this in there. And so my goal is like to find these formulas where, you know, I use the similar proven FDA ingredients for dogs, but I, I give you a water version of it. You know, it's just an alternative delivery system, you know, basically. And, and how did you, were you just testing these with your own dog early on? Were you basically, like trying yeah, stuff and being actually, like, hey, man, will you drink this? Well, that's funny. You asked earlier, like, what, how is he involved with being the inspiration? So his name's Mickey and my mom calls him Picky Mickey because he's literally like the pickiest dog in the world. Like he, I, I have bags of treats and shoes in my, in my, you know, behind me here. I bought him everything in the world to, and he did, I'll cook him bacon, chicken, steak some days. He just won't eat one. Some days he'll go the whole day without eating, but he drinks his water every day. So if I'm able to sneak benefits in his water bowl without him knowing, at least he's getting some nourishment of some sorts, whether it's the collagen from the hip and joint or you know, any sort of aspect that I can, I used to give him some, like put a little coconut water in his bowl just to have mm. some, he had some extra hydration in there. Um, so basically, you know, he's, he is a little bit the inspiration behind the brand of just making it, you know, cause he's super picky. So that's kind of, I always tell people like our two real big angles that we have on the industry with this product is a for picky eaters. Like I said, he won't, if I get hip and joint treats, calming treats, doesn't matter. He won't eat it, but you know, he'll drink it. If I can deliver it through that bowl over there, it's good for picky eaters. You know? um, That's really cool. I mean, it's funny because it's so true. So many dogs are, are picky with what they'll eat. My dog is the opposite. Like I think I could pretty much give him anything and he'll eat right. it. 
That's how most, but he can't have a lot. So for me, the, the wagon water is such a cool idea because it allows him to get a lot of things. I'm really excited to have him try. I'm going to give him some of the calming today and to see how he does with it. Um, awesome. Do you think, and I, I, I want to ask this question because you seem like I would call you a serial entrepreneur. You just seem like the type of guy that you just are always tinkering, thinking of new ideas, launching new things. It's really cool if you think about anyone that's listening to this, that's always wanted to start something, right? Like you just saw a problem in your own house that wasn't rocket science. It was just something that you were like, hey, my dog doesn't love this. There's gotta be a better way. Do you think there's something to that just in general, just for people listening today of just looking around and being more aware of little issues in your life that maybe there's a product or a service that could solve that? I do and actually like one of my favorite things that's very often talked about by serial entrepreneurs is that, you know, it's really only 1% idea, 99% execution. Like I can't tell me how many ideas come across the board from not only just from your circle of friends and people and just the internet and online, like ideas are one thing. And then the action and, and, and staying in the game long enough to create something out of that is really the most challenging part. But yeah, there is, I mean, there is, you know, that is to me like the fun and easy and not easy. Cause of course you want a good idea, a real good idea. Like it's not, I will not call it super easy, but, but it can be, you know, and, and the longer, just like now that I've been an entrepreneur for four to four to, you know, four to this is, to me, I consider it a beverage brand, but it's my fourth beverage brand, you know? And so anything that you do that long, you become better at, I'm just becoming a better entrepreneur. Just like if I were a doctor or a vet for 10 to 15 years, I would be a lot better at that job. The decisions, the process, you start to see the trends of the things that you go through and you just become better mm -hmm. at it, you know? And luckily if you stick around and do it long enough and you can stay sane long enough because you have to sacrifice a lot. I mean, you really do. It, it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of you. Not, not everyone is in position with family and kids and the way that they have designed their lives to truly jump all in and go all after something. It does take a lot of time, attention and, and just effort and, and, uh, grit. And, uh, but you know, it could be, a, you know, some of the simple things that start off are, 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 can be that easy. Just noticing what's around you and seeing, Hey man, if you're experiencing a problem, chances are other people are too, you know? Yeah, no, um, it makes sense. Do you think, and I would love to kind of to bounce right out of that to this next question, cause it, it leads into this for you, you've done beverage before. I'm super bullish on beverage, just just to kind of make you aware. I think people listening to this will know this. I think one area, and I've talked about it probably too much on here, is I think the non-alcoholic space is a really interesting place right now. There's just a lot yeah. of people trying to figure it out. All the data that's out there is saying that more and more people are trying to cut out drinking, especially the generation that's a little bit younger than you and me. Mm -hmm. But I always say beverage from the brands I know, the ones I work with, and just friends that have been in the industry, it seems like one of the harder CPG products because of the cost to get into it, the weight mm -hmm. and cost it takes to get product to the consumer. For yeah. you, you have a little bit of experience in this. What was that like for you getting it off the ground? And, and when I think of that, how did you fund this? Was it all bootstrapped? Did you raise some capital? Like, would love for people listening today because every beverage brand I've talked to has done it a little bit different and they're all really unique ways they brought it to market. It's a lot different than like a protein bar, right? Where you can make it in your kitchen right. and try to sell it to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just being in beverage, you know, that's just, you know, if you look at things also a lot of time in a macro sense, not try to overthink them, like that is the down, it, it's heavy and, and the price point isn't usually super high. Um, so with that, you, the biggest thing is the weight in the project. You can control your margins, you can control your product kind of there, but the weight of it in the beverage is, is pretty, so you have to make decisions based around that a lot that, um, that, that leads the way, you know, like I'd love to be selling direct to consumer and crushing it on Amazon and Chewy and all these, like all these places that ship. But like, for me, I'm on Amazon right now and you know, we just, we don't, it's, we don't make anything on there. We're on there to be on mm -hmm. there to meet the consumer and to be on there. But we have to win at retail for me, you know, my relationship with target, luckily 
I'm considered a collect vendor, so they pick it up from me. Now, there's such a big company with so many big trucks that picking up my wagon water isn't really a huge spec on there. They, they're kind of doing that already. So that makes it a good relationship for me because I get to offset my cost of that that shipping there with them. And and so, um, you know, you do have to pick and choose a little bit being in the beverage industry if, uh, with that being the case. Now, luckily for me, I'm not in a category with 10 other people next to me where we're all driving each other down, you know, and, and, and really... You know, I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of white space that I can operate within and kind of set, like you said, at the very beginning of the call, set the standard, the price point and, and, and not have to look over my shoulder about like all these other people stealing market share from me right away, you know, and doing that. So, um, but I actually feel like, you know, me bringing my beverage experience to the pet industry was very naive, super skill set kind of thing that, that, that helped out because no one was really looking at products over there and in the light that I was looking at products over here. And, and the humanization of pets is a really strong thing that's going on. So for me to have, you know, even know how to create a beverage, you know, all these little ins and outs of the distribution things, like that was all a big advantage coming over here that no one really over here would have unless they also had that, you know, and everyone over here had tons of years of selling pet food and making pet foods, but I had, you know, years. So um, that really helped a lot. And, and yeah, right. You know, to answer your question about the funding part of it, you know, um, I came from pretty much nothing. Like I had a single mom, no dad. She had four kids. We moved around a lot. Food stamps, you know, like I didn't really have much. I don't have a network of people. I don't have I can't even, you know, growing up, I couldn't really even call my mom after I was 18 and ask her for 10 bucks. You know, I was kind of just figuring it out like my whole life. And so. With that, um, after being an entrepreneur for 10, 12 years and, and really being a true on the ground, everyday entrepreneur, you know, you start to develop a network of trust and people around you that start to believe in at least that you're going to see it through and, and somehow, you know, make it out the other end. And so immediately when I got that target deal so quickly, I was not really prepared to take that on, like I said. And so I quickly brought in some money from friends and family to at least get me off the ground and, and have a, enough to like start it. But I've always been a very frugal entrepreneur. I don't like you know, you see these things on the internet and these stories and, and it makes it makes you believe that like that's the how easy and the way to go and you just gotta beat at your own pace kind of and like so for me I, I never want to bring in too much money like I just would have spent more money on my initial mistakes had I brought in mm. more. That's kind of the way I sometimes look at things and so yeah, I brought in um, a little bit of money, you know, probably two hundred thousand dollars to be honest with you, because I had to buy a production machine, I had to get materials, I had to get myself set up to like handle this first initial opportunity and um but oh, are you really... producing it yourself? Well, that's the other crazy thing that this whole when it when it happened, basically, you know, the big decision I had to make was the production, like a co-packer. Or... So what I did is I knocked on every co-packer's door in America, pretty much that made anything in this size bowl that 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 put stuff in it. But no one was putting water in this bowl. They were putting salsas and dips and hummuses and other things. So no one. So basically, long story short, the water is such a thin, um, you know, it's such a thin thing that going around the machines, it was it, it would spill. So they would have to slow down uh. the machines so much to run my product that it was going to cost me a lot to do. And at that point, like I said, I'm like, dude, this is putting, like, excuse me, water in a bowl. Like, I, you know, like I got to be able to do this inside somehow at a mass scale. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't, because often when you go to a co-packer, man, you have to deal with like your ingredients and your blends and all these things that you don't know how to measure and do. And I'm like, dude, if I'm just putting water in a bowl, all I need to do is find a machine to do it. I, I should just do it. So yeah, I, I, I basically made that decision to uh, get this machine and, and invested in that. So I was producing, um, yeah, I, I brought them in house and was producing them and that machine cost me some money. And just to do that and have my own warehouse and do all that cost me, you know, enough money to, to have to get something in the door basically. Well, good for you, Drew. I mean, that's a cool story. I don't know how many, how often have you shared that before? I mean, just your, like your upbringing online. That's uh, pretty cool, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty open about it. I, you know, at one point, 
I love doing what I'm doing here. And, you know, even as my small circle of friends now, like if I can connect with someone else out there that kind of had something similar to me in an upbringing way that just to show them they can do it. Like, you know, as humans, we're built to figure it out. You know, I just read something about yesterday, those, those kids that were 40 days in the Amazon and then they, they were, you know, and it's not completely relatable, but we really have tendencies in us as humans to figure it out. Like that's how we're born. And it's often fun to just learn and figure it out. You know, like that's really the joy, like uh, the journey part of it is just, you know, I wake up every day cause I got to go figure it out. But for myself and for my own company, I and mean, I have something that's working my mind and my soul. And, and especially if it's something I love and I'm passionate about, I mean, it, it just, it's, it's fun. Like I wake up every day at five 30 with no alarm and I'm pretty excited about my life and what I have to, you know, to do in front of me. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a blessing. Yeah. Good for you, man. No, that's really, really cool. I just wanted to say that I, you know, cool, I man. think a lot, of, a lot of, there's not a lot of people that probably either share that or have been through that and figured it out. So that's, that's just really cool. I'm, I'm pumped for you. Did you grow up in Chicago? Uh, no, I grew up in Indiana and in, in Bloomington, Indiana. I was born in Ohio, grew up in Indiana, uh, moved around Indiana a little bit. And then went to college. I actually dropped out of college too, with like a few credits left. Um, and then, um, where'd you go to school? I went, I played basketball for two years at a school called Manchester in Indiana. Once I knew that that wasn't my long-term future, I decided to, to transfer to Eastern Illinois and try to figure something out there. I was in sports management and, you know, I remember, and this is funny because even as a kid, I kind of knew I wanted to quote unquote, do my own thing. When I was going through college, I remember being there and just every once in a while talking to the advisor and, and just in my head, I was like, nothing here is what I want to do. And like, they didn't have anything I want to do. I remember having general studies all the way down to my last few credits. And talking to him like, man, I still don't know what I want to do here. Like none of this stuff is for me. And I, you know, some people, you know, it felt like I, I was, a, you know, failing a little bit by not knowing that. And then it made complete sense. Once I started to find my way a few years into my professional life, I was like, okay, now I know why I wasn't really caring to go through this. It was more of a yeah. process that my friends were going through that I thought I had to do. Not really what I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Um, but they got these days they got way more entrepreneurship courses that I offer in colleges. So I'm not saying that college is a bad thing or anything. They just didn't at that time really have anything like that for me. I've talked about it on here before I went to, so really quick, funny story, which I, this is just so crazy that we were just meeting. I grew up, grew up, I say grew up, I moved there in eighth grade, but I went, I lived there through high school and then college. I went to Purdue, but I grew up in Greenwood. So okay, cool. not yeah. far from Bloomington, man. That's so funny. Yeah. So well, I lived in, I actually moved, lived in Indianapolis for a while too, for many years. So I was right next to you there. So. Oh, that's so funny. What years were you in Indy? Uh, well, I'm 39. So I was there when I was in in middle school. I went to, okay. I was going to be going to Ben Davis. I went to Fulton Junior yeah. High up there. And Okay. Uh, I, mean, I lived in Carmel yeah. and Keystone, that whole area for a while after college. So too funny, man. We've crisscrossed yeah, yeah. paths more than once. Um, yep. But no, that's, that's wild, man. Um, wild background. I know uh, on here, I've even talked about it where even, you know, I don't, I'm not talking bad about Purdue. Like I had an unbelievable time. <laughs> it was great to go there. I, you know, what, you know, everyone knows that that listened, but it definitely teaches you and kind of grooms you to go get a job. And, For sure. you know, like I even took entrepreneurship classes. So I got like a little taste of it. And I, I almost mm -hmm. got like the minor in entrepreneurship, the program they have. I just didn't have enough to take enough classes, but it does kind of like all the classes and then the career fairs and everything. It really does groom you to go get a corporate job. It doesn't, there's not a whole lot at the university well, level. Just, that, yeah. Especially now these days, it's become way easier to be an entrepreneur the last 15 years, like 10, mm -hmm. 15 years before then it was very, much not the biggest nice easy option you know out there so you know in, in general just society and people like what you see out there is is really the most part of just this this college experience of people going that route 
so to me, not having much of a, uh, of a leader that, that was telling me what to do, I'd, I was yeah. always just figuring it out on my own. And I was just like watching my friends. I was kind of a late bloomer because I'd always just learn through them. Like, okay, they're all doing this. Let's do that. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, you know, but uh, yeah, it's. No, I agree. I even think post COVID it's gotten way different, right? Like I know the business, me and my business partner started was during COVID. And the only way we were able to do that was having two computers, right? And we were all at home. And right. if we were back in the office, it was hard to do that because you're at the office all day and you get home and you're drained. You're trying to crank from, you know, seven to midnight and then the weekends. Nowadays, right. people can kind of get stuff off the ground while you're doing other things and you can kind of, it's totally changed. Have, yeah, and you have all the tools at your fingertips now to, to truly create like something quickly. I mean, you can have a website, a domain, an LLC, you can do have your marketing, your social, all these things. You have the tools at your fingertips to start something. It's good and a bad thing. It's good because the entry entry level to doing it is way, way, way. The bar is way lower to start it. But then you're going to have an influx of the supply. And like, there's going to be way more competition possibly mm -hmm. in the years to come because of how easy it is. But um, but I do like that it is much easier because it's it, it gives people the freedom to now have the option of, of doing their own thing, working, creating their own path, right? So Yeah. Yeah, it was funny that you say that. Yesterday I had a, a, a colleague friend who's a venture capitalist come on here because I've been wanting to mm -hmm. get, you know, I have a lot of brand owners, but I also love to get the other side of, of the folks who are actually deploying the capital just to kind of understand and, and make connections right. for folks, to be honest. And it was really interesting to hear. I said, and maybe this is just my own anecdotal experience, but, you know, back when I was at RX, it seemed like that that year it felt like every month there was some major acquisition right it was just like boom 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 and then like in 2019 2020 it really slowed down then COVID hit and i just don't feel like you see a lot of cpg brands getting acquired anymore right. and he made a good point of some of it's the the economy and just what's going on right now but the other part of it he said is you just see so many more cpg brands that are popping up yeah. there's just there's 10 X what there was five years right. ago. So the percentage of brands yes. that are like the same amount are getting acquired, but now there's this huge mountain right. and just still just the tippy yeah. top are getting acquired. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's hard to take a bet that you have, that you feel good is going to win because there's yeah. too many things to take a bet on. And so yeah, many yeah, evolving yeah. factors, it's like, it, it's just an influx. Yeah. There, that's, and you can uh, get 5% I, on your savings account. So it's like, why am I yeah. risking money on the startup when I can just go put, you know, it, it is tough. Do you, now right. do you think where you're at, I know this is you're early on in this Drew, but Mm -hmm. Do you, do you foresee this being something you'd love to exit someday or, or do you want to build this into a big behemoth of a brand or somewhere in the middle? Um, probably somewhere in the middle. I, I do want to put my touch on it and this is, this is my baby. This is what I dreamed my whole life of doing. And I have that opportunity right now. And I know I have the platform I've always wanted for in that opportunity. And I'm going to do my best and, and, and to really truly put my touch on something and have my name behind a, a cool company and product that, that I think brings value to the industry. And that's what drives me more than any sort. Like I'm not driven by money. Like money is a byproduct that, okay. Like, but I live very like, I, to me, this is just what I love to do. And so mm -hmm. I, this is my baby and this is truly my opportunity. I feel like to put a name out there for myself and, 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 and show myself what I'm capable of the most, not anyone else, just myself. Like I've been waiting to do this forever and I feel like I got the keys to do it now. And, and so, but at some point, yeah, because um, you know, at one point I, I think everything has a lifespan for, for, you know, uh, for every little thing, you know? And so for me, this, this is going to have a certain point where I'll, I'll, I'll want to hang it up. Um, but hopefully by that point I would have done a lot and feel good about what I've created and look behind me and, and feel good going to the next step. Cause at one point, like I, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I will, at one point that is the goal is to somehow hand this off at some point to someone else that can then take it to the next level, you know, and, and be on my way and do something else. But, um, still quite a lot of work to do, but, but, but it's very, I, I've had enough 
brands and been around this long enough to know that we do have something special here. You know, going to your point a minute ago uh, about all these CPG beverage brands, like I, I literally, it makes me like, it, it makes me like my head spin to, to like, I get sick even thinking about if I was in that space with just another beverage right now, like, I'm glad I have this little, and it's really for me, what drives me the most is trying to find some sort of white space where I can kind of, no matter if it is going to be harder, cause I'm, I have to like really bang down the door cause there is no path for it. It's really what, like, I'd rather have that opportunity than being a sea of a bunch of others trying to fight for, you know, that, that bite, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. And I, it was funny at the beginning of the podcast, I, I, one of the thoughts that came in my head was trying to understand for you, I've never worked in a category where you're like creating the category per se. Right. But it sounds like now, number one, that it's been exciting. Number two, for you, it's actually worked really well in your favor. Um, I know we're getting, we're getting low on time. I have a couple sure. more questions, but I'd love to ask you yeah, this yeah. one. Just like, what was it, what has it been like since you launched this, you know, you made a really, really good point at the very beginning. You said something along the lines of there wasn't really a demand for this necessarily. Like people don't know mm-hmm. they needed it. So what was that like? Like, how did you get people to even realize, like, to be honest, like me, I didn't know this was something I would want. Now it's something I can't imagine. I wouldn't probably want if it works for my dog. Well, I, that's a good question. And, and really this is my third year doing it. So a, I, I've sat here and listened for years to try to get to this point. So again, my customer created this, but what I'm doing is I'm borrowing the human behavior, right? Like, so what you're doing, like you're buying it for your dog, but you're buying it based on how you buy. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's, it's the same, like we buy on our own trends, whether it's subconscious or consciously. So humans are already buying $5 beverages every single day to, to get their function, whether that's from a coffee, from the booze, from the tea, from the orange juice, from the smoothie, every single day, we're buying four to $5 beverages to get our function. Now you can just do that for your dog. Mm. So, and then I made it look just like all the stuff that we're carrying and buying already. So it looks just like a Vita cocoa, coconut water, functional type of beverage for us. Yeah. So it's not a big ask when you walk down the aisle and you're already, especially, you know, I'm selling at Target right now and, and on my radar or other kind of grocery places, because, you know, you're in that environment in a Target, you're already passing other beverages, you're buying that. So when you come across a wagon water, $5 function, you know, for your dog, it's not a huge crossover ask, especially again, since the pet industry is essentially all humanized items, any category you want to go to. The offerings within that category are usually humanized to where when it's offered to you as the consumer to buy it for your dog, it's 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 given to you in a way such as you're used to buying that kind of for yourself. There's like turkey and gravy meals, there's dog shoes and clothes, like everything. We want to treat them like we treat ourselves. Yeah. Um, so my original product had no demand, but now that I have these new ones that I pivoted to, that's a big reason I made the pivot is because I went into the biggest hugest categories right now within pets. So dental health for dogs, hip and joint health for dogs, calming health for dogs. These are multi huge categories. And I'm just giving you a water version of them now. So now I'm actually meeting the demand with my new ones versus trying to create the demand. I'm just giving you a different way. So I tell people this all the time too. It's like, I truly am adding a value because right now, currently, like if your dog has hip and joint pain and he's an older dog, like you're currently supporting them through possibly a pill from your vet. And then you have some food that's, you know, and then you have some treats that are probably some collagen bones and chews. It's not like you have to stop giving them those. It's just now yeah. they get support from their water bowl as well. Whereas before wagon water came along, your, your bowl of water was just giving them water, which that's right. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But with us, we're just delivering more benefits from that bowl, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, finding that, uh, you know, pivoting from, you know, sticking around long enough is kind of how we found, you know, found the angle here was just, you know, yeah. it wasn't clear at first, but 
but yeah. No, it makes sense. I love that. That's super cool, Drew. Super cool. Um, as we wind down here, I, one question I love to ask every founder is essentially the tools you use. So when you think about whether it's wagon water goals, just Drew's yearly goals, and then all the way down to like, what do you need to get done today? So how do you prioritize the shit that's important to do today? Do you, do you use like pen and paper? Are you a planner kind of guy? Do you use apps? What, what does Drew use to like hit goals and, and map out his daily stuff? Um, it's a combination of, of tools that over the years that you sprinkle in more and more of what works and what doesn't kind of. So I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, I am a big goals person. Like I, I kind of like have that big once a month, like paint the picture for the month type of big vision. And then day to day, I'm really big on to-do list. And if I write it down in my life, if I don't write, you know, the chances are, if I write it down, I'm going to do it at some point. And whether it goes on the next day's to-do list or not, if you keep writing it down, eventually it'll get done. It's yeah. funny. I actually keep on, on me every day, I have a notebook and every single day I, I keep notes on me. It's actually something I learned from my mentor and, and partner before, but I have, you know, I, over the years I've, I keep every one of these notebooks. It's almost like you can look backwards on them now and see how you created all these companies and things. And it's pretty Hell cool yeah. to see that. Um, but I have virtual assistants that have been critical to, to what I've done over the years. Uh, some of them have been in Argentina and the Philippines and I, I'm very close with them and their families. One of them, I even, they flew over here and met. So I, I have wow. worked with, with things over the years that I put in place to keep me organized and keep me uh, on track. And then, you know, with your company, depending on the size and how fast it's growing at one point, if you're wearing every hat, you're going to have to alleviate some of that. And that way you can be the expert at what you're the expert at and not try to do everything. That's just wasting your time. And, and the company's probably time to move forward. But uh, yeah, pretty much, very organized and, and not too organized though. I don't stick by a book of things, but I like to feel like I got everything under control and I have small systems that kind of help me do that. Love that drew uh, off air. I would love to learn more about the virtual assistant thing. That's something I've been trying to learn more about. So For I will sure. I'll follow up with you to learn. Well, drew, Uh-oh. thank you so much, man. I got a hard stop at 11. So we'll have to wrap yep. it up. Um, would love for everyone listening. What's the best way to try wagon water to follow you follow the brand. And then obviously I'll link all of the the websites and all the stuff here. So don't worry about that. But any other ways people can get involved. Yeah, I mean, we're on Amazon or our website or target are three places you can easily find it. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, I would love to connect with anyone on there. Um, anyone listening to this that wants to try a free sample, hit us up and it's on us. And, um, but yeah, we'll be around. We're in a lot of individual pet stores and, and whatnot. And, and, uh, you hopefully see more of us, you know, in more places soon. So appreciate you guys. Well, love it. Well, thanks Drew. Appreciate you coming on, man. And, uh, next time we meet, we'll do it. We'll do one of these in person. Yes, sir. Let's do it, man. I appreciate you, Shane. Thanks awesome, for having babe. me. Thanks, Drew.